This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, today's forecast high here in the AZ, 112. 113. I, mean, I guess the question becomes, is there a direct cause and effect between Cliff Kingsbury canceling the final day of mandatory minicamp and the fact that it's going to be an ungodly high temperature here uh, during one of the hottest points of the year? I, I was going to start with that, and then, of course, we saw the Hollywood Brown. And I was going to go with there are two kinds of people in Arizona, those who have had a rattlesnake on their property and those who have not. But then we just stumbled into something else here on Cardinals Underground. Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek. Uh, there really are just two kinds of people in the world. Those who define BTS as behind the scenes, like our Jim Almohandro, fine producer. And then those who identify BTS, the acronym, as the K-pop group. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm just... I mean, Darren, are you not distraught that they have broken up? For, for the foreseeable future, there will be no new content. Unlike Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, there will be no new content from BTS. First of all, what's K-pop? <laughs> I just know the term. I couldn't define okay. it. Danny? Danny, as someone who went to her very first concert, and what was the group again? In sync. In sync. I mean, that's essentially BTS, right? It's well, a glorified, well, let's, magnified let's, boy band. Let's make sure this is within. Uh, this has perspective, proper prism here. How old were you at that concert for In Sync? Five or six. But okay, for the record, I would still see them today. No, I know you would, but I just know that when In Sync was around, I was not five or six. So and, I, and I you, think wanna, you had front row seats. For we your were first... very close. So yes, close enough to where unfortunately they would not let us bring in our posters, which we had worked very hard on because they were going to block the view of those behind which us. Which is funny but because the, you were so short. I don't know. Even if you hold the posters over your head, anybody was going to be blocked. How do you know I was short oh. when I was five or six? Wow. Whoa. Let me guess. You were short <laughs> when you were five or six. The good news is we had t-shirts that we drew all over. So we were still showing our in-sync love. I do think the best part we have to share with our listeners of this BTS talk is of the three of us sitting in this round table of Darren, Paul, and myself, Paul was the one who was talking about BTS. I couldn't name a single song by them. And Paul, you're the one who seems most distraught by they, their breakup to um, attack their solo careers. Attack. I, I saw them. It made national news. They're an international phenomenon. I, I just sort of brought it up, and then we got into whether you identify BTS as behind the scenes or the musical act. But what's what's really intriguing is apparently there's no rule against a five or six year old being near the front at an in sync concert because I guess you don't have to worry about a mosh pit. Is that is that my presumption? There's no mosh pit uh, in danger of breaking out in an in sync concert. That's good actually. That's a positive. But no, I do not you, remember any mosh pit. The 
fact, you were so intent on displaying and illustrating your passion for NSYNC that as distraught as you were uh, akin to BTS, you not being able to bring in your poster and your signage, but you were able to go ahead and decorate your T-shirt accordingly. Before so that's good. we scare everybody away from deal this to podcast. Scare them the, away. The, the, the reason we brought up BTS was the behind the scenes part of it. And yes. we were talking about our wonderful hard knocks upcoming hard knocks uh season that we will be watching and then also flight plan apparently and talking about having an episode down the road potentially being behind the scenes of the behind the scenes show of (laughs) see i'm seriously thinking about restarting this podcast but we'll go with it we'll go with it and i'll make the segue it's the summer people have time to listen as follows because i made this calvisi consulting suggestion to craig grealu on uh craig grealu on cover two he said and that was that Hard Knocks may have, might have picked the wrong part of the season to show up for. <laughs> Think about if they'd shown up for the off season. Think about if they'd shown up for all the storylines this summer. Think about everything that's yet to happen as we get into Cardinals camp because that's the next stop. Cardinals camp 2022 and then what will be the beginning of the season minus D-Hop, minus... Rodney Hudson, we'll get to that. We don't know. We also don't know about the status of the quarterback. I mean, Darren, there's a lot of stuff that's flying around in real time as the Cardinals and the rest of the NFL take their annual summer break. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very interesting offseason, to say the least. And to to have gone through what the Cardinals have, have gone through, uh, starting obviously with the Kyler Murray contract talks that got very public very fast not the talks themselves but the the desire for a new contract and then uh you know in no particular order you've you've had the deandre hopkins suspension now we're hearing about rodney hudson being unexcused at at minicamp we of course had the the tragic loss of jeff gladney in the car accident um the hollywood brown trade just just a lot of stuff a lot of stuff i I mean danny (laughs) How unsettled, if at all, are you between now and training camp? You know, I mean, what what is your reaction? We know the Cardinals have a talented team just based on the way they started last year. We know the Cardinals think that they're ready to contend again this year. But there's a lot of stuff that's unanswered as of this moment. In this moment, I am now most concerned for the center position. I I feel very similar to Darren how you have you know made clear your sentiments that not that we you know know anything concrete but just the feeling that something will get done with Kyler in a new contract so the fact that as of right now the Cardinals don't have Rodney Hudson we saw last year when he was out how difficult it was for the offensive line and Kyler Murray to mesh on a consistent basis and have good consistent communication and success so right now it's Sean Harlow and it's Justin Pugh moving over from guard who's been starting to get some reps at center. And that's not a knock to either of them, but I don't feel as good about either of those as I do with Hudson in the middle. And not necessarily from a physical standpoint, but the mental side of playing that position and everything that entails. And that is now what is most concerning to me. And this wasn't something that at least we have known about for a while because up until this point, OTAs were voluntary. It was mini camp this week that was mandatory when it was, okay, Rodney Hudson is the only player not here. Something must be up. And then Cliff Kingsbury said that the, him and the Hudson and the team were working through something and he wouldn't give us any more details other than that. So right now that is my biggest concern ahead of training camp. 
Yeah, to hear Justin Pugh talk about the center position, a guy who has a decade in the league, has a high football IQ, a high IQ period, and to talk about how demanding the center position is mentally as he's taken some of those reps and made the transition, at least as a possible option for the Arizona Cardinals this season, you realize that it is so critical just being able to be that quarterback of the offensive line. He cited the Tennessee game in the opener, how he noticed something and made a check to Kyler and Boomer resulted in a touchdown pass. So, And then we know, look, with a quarterback who's under six feet tall, the quickest way to the quarterback is straight through the middle. And after three years of watching Kyler Murray, if there's one thing that unsettles the young man, it's the interior penetration. More, this isn't a big Ben who can just hang in the pocket with pass rushers, you know, dragging his legs down and still get off a throw. So, you know, that is that obviously is on the radar, and it's confounding, is it not, Darren? Because those of us who got to know Rodney Hudson last year, we know this much: dude is a grinder. Guy is a baller. He's all about ball. If you gave him the option to never meet the media, I don't think he'd ever talk to no, the media. I he, would agree with that. He doesn't care. He just wants to play football. So, honestly, he's one of the last guys in the locker room that I thought would be an unexcused absence. Hence, what is going on? I mean, what, feasibly, I know it's complete and abject and pure speculation, but what do you think is responsible for all this, Darren? And do you have a gut feel as to whether there's a good chance it'll be resolved by August? Well, I think I think it's got to be resolved by August. I mean, one way or the other. Now, the I mean, if he doesn't show up to training camp, there's all kinds of red flags there. I, I don't know. I mean, let, let's face it. When you're talking about some an unexcused mini mini camp absence, usually that means one of two things, right? He's either thinking about not playing, or he's not happy with his contract. I don't know. Uh, if either of those are part of it, I don't know what else it would be. And I don't know why it would be unexcused if it was something else. You know, if you're having issues at home, you just tell the yeah. team and they're going to say, okay, take your, do what you need to do. Didn't Kelvin Beecham say to the media that Rodney Hudson is a new father? He did. Okay. Maybe that makes somebody reassess their profession. Maybe. Considering the risks involved. And, you know, I'm guessing he's financially set for the rest of his life and he can provide for his family. So maybe that makes you reassess the risk reward quotient as a new father, as anyone who's been a parent has probably been there and can relate to that. There's another thing I, I do wonder as well is that his cap number this year went from 2.9 in 2021 to, if you're seeing the media reports correctly, his cap number this year would be 12.6. Right. So has there been an attempt by the team to sort of adjust that cap figure? And then is there a disagreement on how they're going to do that? I, I guess Hence the business of football. And, that, and that's possible. I could, I could see that being. But again, all we're doing at this point is speculating because we don't know. Uh, again, I usually with some of this stuff, you would just think that, again, the unexcused part of it that really throws me because usually when you're trying to work through things, then they find out a way for it to be excused. So I don't know. On our, on our last, I think it was our last episode, <laughs> we were talking about if there were, you know, any positions where we would like to see a veteran presence still brought in. And I think, I don't remember, Paul, if you agreed with Darren and myself, I remember you and I felt most strongly, I think, about cornerback or maybe interior defensive line. And yeah. I'm wondering if things do not change, does center now oh, jump yeah. to number one? Because yes. to me, I think so. Yes. I don't think there's any question. You know, I, I thought it was it, it was a really weird day because the day that Cliff Kingsbury talked about Rodney Hudson being unexcused was also a day Justin Pugh happened to be talking to the media 
I had asked Cliff who else besides Sean Harlow, who was the backup last year uh, at center, even though he's a natural guard, who else do they have working there? He said Lisita Smith, the, the, the draft pick. And then he said Justin Pugh, which made a little bit of sense. So then you're thinking, I was thinking, okay, this is good. I'll be able to ask Justin Pugh about potentially playing center. I'm thinking he's going to say, well, you know, they're asking me to be there right now. I'm a guard, but whatever. And no, he said not only did he want to see if he could play it, but maybe it could extend his career. And and on top of the fact that he was saying that he almost retired after last season, which was out of left yeah. field for me. So it was just – it was it's a – he also threw in there that if you see me back at left guard, that means it didn't work out at center. A lot of those comments seem to indicate that they need a permanent replacement at center. You could translate a lot of those comments as, this team needs a new center. Well, I, 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 he, what he said, the quote about, he goes, if you see me at left guard, it means I didn't play it very well, is what he said. So, uh, I, I'm not – look, if Rodney Hudson's not around, you need a center. And I don't know if Sean Harlow is the guy. I mean, they did bring in uh, Billy Price for a visit a number of weeks ago, and he is still on the free agent market. J.C. Treader, who started last year for Cleveland, is a free agent. I mean, there's guys you could pot- potentially bring in. So then who do you swing to left guard? You mean if Pew if – Pew If Pew is your center. Uh, well, Will Hernandez has played left guard primarily in the NFL, and then if Justin Murray is indeed healthy, he was your starting right guard going into last season. So your interior O-line left to right could be Will Hernandez, Justin Pugh, and Justin Murray. It's not that, That's ideal. a lot of ifs. <laughs> well, I mean, again, that's that's where you, you run into some issues here. And, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know which way it goes. And uh, – it's interesting. I mean, do you now go through the entire? I mean, are you going to like not have any clarity on this until everybody gets back from vacation? Well, and then if you hit zoom out, speaking of clarity, Rodney Hudson was the one offensive line starter under contract going forward. Every other member of the starting offensive line, at least on the depth chart as we perceive it, is in the final year of their contract. So, yeah. It's a fluid, real-time situation like we talked about off the top here. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. And it might go to the very top of the power rankings, a big questions answer between now and training camp, along with cornerback, along with edge rusher. At this point, edge rusher is number three. I I, I do agree with you guys. I I spend most of the offseason talking about that. Not just your quarterback, but to be able to get to the quarterback. But now you're flooding that other spot opposite Marcus Golden just with numbers, and you're going to see who's going to emerge, and it's most likely going to be a rotation. And at this point, heck, it could be Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins getting time out we, there. We tried to so, convince you about this earlier, Paul, and you just kept going yeah, back to Ed Rusher. Yeah, it, was, it was, uh, you know, in a, a testaduda in uh, Italian. That's a guy with a hard head, right? You know, and so <laughs> boom, you got to got to really pound it into him. So uh, that's yours truly over here when it came to that position. Now, when I look at this Cardinals defense, though, as I flip over, just, okay, boom. And I was talking with Craig Griel about this. You know, you see talent, right? I mean, you see playmakers. You see high draft picks on the Cardinals defense. But it's also amazing to me, we don't know exactly where a lot of these guys are playing. From a Byron Murphy Jr., sure, he's a corner, but is he your outside corner? Is he going to be an inside corner where the coaches really want him, where they think he's at his very best? Uh, Zayvon Collins, where exactly is he going to be? in this defense and Isaiah Simmons once again they could talk all of they want about him playing weak side inside linebacker and being an inside linebacker primarily and mostly and getting my whole his reps uh, you know until we actually see it during a game uh, I still say that they're sandbagging and he's gonna be an x-factor so and now 
were out there during this mandatory mini camp, and Darren, I know you were one of them, and myself, and we're looking like, wait, who's number 55? And it was an inside linebacker they had brought in by the name of Ben Neiman. For a tryout, yes. For a tryout, and and so you know they're obviously still looking at other inside linebackers. So what does that portend? Does that mean Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons might be at different positions beyond inside linebacker? Dot, dot, dot. Is that – I'm just curious. Is Like, are you against using Isaiah Simmons as a hybrid? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think – He just wants the truth. I'm just curious. <laughs> no, my, my point is here, I'm just curious that you have talented players on defense. I just don't know where they fit. Like, if you told me – if you made me answer right now, okay, where are these guys on the depth chart? I'm not sure where to put at least three of these big names, big talents. Where are they on this depth chart? Now, does Vance Joseph know? Eh, probably. Is he sharing it with us? Absolutely not. Not yet. But once again, that's one of those intriguing things when you get into training camp and you start looking around. Okay, where are these guys going to be playing? And uh, this, once again, it's yet another unanswered storyline that's going to make for a lot of compelling content when we get to training camp. We are definitely not short of storylines at essentially any position when we get to training camp in the next couple of weeks. That is for sure. I mean, when you guys see Isaiah Simmons working primarily, this is during the open parts of practice that we were able to witness during the offseason, and he's in position drills with the safeties primarily. I mean, Darren, what, what are you thinking right there? What, what, is, what, is that, what kind of conclusion do you draw from that? I mean, I don't draw much of any conclusion beyond what we've already seen from Isaiah, which is he's done some things like that before. Um, he he during the season last year he would do position drills a lot of times with safeties and then ultimately true move in linebacker when it was it was time to do uh, other stuff I did notice however if I recall correctly I feel like Isaiah said this the other day when he started talking about uh, Jalen and Buddha and or maybe it was somebody was talking about was talking about safeties and he was mentioning matching up alongside Jalen and Buddha and so who knows? I mean, it, it, yes, he had also said how much JT and Buddha had shared with him and had coached him up yeah. at the safety so, position. I mean, I think ultimately, look, you're trying to get all we ever hear is what good coaches are is they put they, they take their players, what they're best at and put them in the best positions. So if you're if you're one of your best defensive players is a hybrid, then you adjust your defense to get there. I mean, we can sit here and talk about inside linebacker and and outside linebacker and safety and all these things. And I mean, as long as there's a, a plan in place to how you're going to deploy them, there's no law. That's, it's, it reminds me of basketball where for the longest time you had two forwards and a center and two guards. Right. And now if you watch yeah. most NBA, there's like, there's, you hope to have a point guard once in a while, you'll put a center on the court, but a lot of times it's, five four floating positions and so maybe that's where the defense is going I agree I think too there was there was a question asked in the press conference essentially implying like do you think you'd be a better linebacker if they didn't use you as a hybrid and I'm I'm just kind of thinking that uh, agreeing with your point Darren of maybe the reason at least during this open part of practice we've been seeing the last couple weeks is because they feel confident in Isaiah's understanding of his position at linebacker 
and they're wanting him to get more reps at safety is is the perspective that I could see that as it's not necessarily as oh well we're hindering your growth as a linebacker I find it hard to believe that Vance Joseph would put Isaiah in a situation like that especially in a year where this defense is really going to have to rely on Isaiah and Zayvon Collins and he did tell the media that without question he's now playing and not thinking and as a guy who came in in 2020 and didn't have the offseason and he was behind the learning curve that so yes Danny I, I would agree with that that yes he has mastered at least from the playbook perspective the inside linebacker spot but to Darren's point about almost who cares to some degree what position you're labeled as playing a la the NBA in the game of basketball I mean think about it for week one you know what his position is the dude who covers Travis Kelsey that's his position in week one against Kansas City, right? I mean, who cares if he's technically the weak side inside linebacker or a safety, whatever. He's the guy who's got to check the all-pro tight end, Travis Kelsey, most of the game. That's yeah, that, going to be his role. You figure that that was, is probably a very realistic role for him that game. <laughs> that's right. And again, that's one of the reasons coaches are so reticent, I think, to talk about, well, this is what the position is. And, and we... They, it is falling back to cliche when they're like, well, it, it's a, it depends on the game plan and all that stuff. But there's a there's a lot of truth to it, you know. And, you know, if they play a team that doesn't have a great tight end, then maybe they change something up or whatever. I mean, you just – you don't know or a team that doesn't run well on the outside that maybe you can afford to have Isaiah Simmons play outside linebacker a little bit more because you're not worried about getting pushed around in the run game. I, I don't know. See, Danny, that's why he's senior writer for azcardinals.com when he uses words like reticent. That's just really, really well done. It's an adroit use of that word, if I might say I so. I found out the other day Danny doesn't like writers, so. That's not true. I need to start I need to start a list of these big words that Darren uses because this is not the first time you're using vocabulary <laughs> that is going over my head. I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. I, I, you can take a shot at Mizzou in her education. Or maybe over free. my head because I'm so short. Yeah, there it is. Short. Oh, hello. All right. How original, Darren. I, I'm not saying it was great. Two short jokes saying, in one podcast? Yeah, well, you know, there's. How about a rapid fire my... session? How about a rapid fire session here at Cardinals Underground? Right. Things you learned or observed during the offseason, whether it was OTAs, whether it was mandatory minicamp, just biggest takeaways. I'll get it started over here. You know what? How about number one, throwing to number two? Hard not to notice Kyler Murray throwing to his bestie, Hollywood Brown, down the field, chunk throws. Just uh, You hear the anecdotes from coaches. I think it was Cliff Kingsbury who said he already has the ability to you know, make eye contact and hand signals. You know, This isn't like some first-round rookie receiver who comes in and it's going to be a process. No, Hollywood Brown is plug-and-play. A, because he has three years in the league. B, because he's a former teammate of Kyler Murray. C, because they've been hanging out apparently a lot more than maybe we even know in the Dallas area working out together. What was his comment as he was leaving the press conference, Hollywood Brown, when someone asked him, what are your summer plans? I'm going to be where Kyler is. (laughs) Right. He said that twice. Yeah. So So is Danny. So it's... You're going to Dallas, you said. For like two days, Darren. Wait, now you're only going to see your parents for two days? Do they know this? Yes, you're, you're, they you're, are aware. You sure it's just your parents? Because he's kind of portraying you as a stalker. It's like a Kyler stalker. You're going to the Dallas area in pursuit of Kyler and Hollywood Brown. I just sure I, I can't believe she's only going to go visit her family for two okay, days. Okay, hang on. <laughs> I'm getting in Wednesday night and leaving Sunday. Wow. Three days. All right, takeaways. Rapid fire. I would say one of the things that really stuck with me, and it's kind of under the radar. It might not be the biggest thing, but it, it has resonated with me. The other day when... Cliff Kingsbury brought up un 
uh, uh, what's the word? Not unprovoked, but uh, unexcused absence. Are we no. back to the unexcused? Unsolicited. 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 Thank you, Holmes. Um, Unsolicited phone calls. When he mentioned that Eno Benjamin is playing like a starting running back, and you know we've got a running back room right now where. I feel like every time you turn around, they were signing somebody or adding somebody, and it's pretty big. And now he's he's pumping up, you know, Benjamin, who's been buried the last couple years in a lot of ways. So that really kind of caught my ear the other day. I mean, we'll see what happens when things actually happen. But I will say this. Although Daryl Williams has got all this experience, and I think they're going to need him, and I think you said something. To me. Did you say something to me the other day, Paul, about how big Daryl Williams is? Somebody said something to me. Well, it was about Jim Omohundro. He actually. I mean, Daryl Williams him is, during a, media is a big boy, and and it makes me think. Okay, if they're going to do the one-two punch they did last year, it still makes more sense to me to do Connor and Eno in the Chase Edmonds role, and then have Daryl Williams in case. James Conner gets banged up and you still have a big back you can turn to because they really when James Conner got banged up last year they were so excited to have that big back and then he got hurt and it was like oh we're kind of back to where we were where we don't have that big back anymore true and Daryl Williams would provide that it looks like but but if Eno Benjamin is really playing like an RB1 doesn't the signing of Daryl Williams late in the offseason belie that no no, Not to me, because again, because they're different backs. I think it's because they're different backs, and because, with all due respect to James Conner, he won't necessarily be healthy all seventeen games. And you want to make sure you have a guy. And if you're able to say, I haven't, I don't know the the what it turned out to be, but I'm guessing Daryl Williams isn't playing for a real big contract. So True. it's it's not like yeah. just because he's got a little bit of experience, it doesn't mean you're paying him a bunch of money. Because you know my. My hot take here, and Danny, you're looking at me right now. You're saying, you know what? I need a, I need a Polly Pigskin uh, hot take. My hot take is that the unsolicited part of Eno Benjamin getting multiple shoutouts this offseason is that a pump and dump ploy, ploy, sort of like the stock market. We're going to pump him up and then trade him away because we have too many running backs in the room. If you're going to go with four, which was the number the head coach advanced, how many running backs in that room? Well, let's do the math. If James Conner is a keeper, Darrell Williams is a keeper, you love Jonathan Ward on special teams and what he can give you, and now all of a sudden you have a Keontae Ingram who fits the bill in terms of a rookie with potential and a contract, but Eno Benjamin is in the final year of his rookie deal, I believe. And so now all of a sudden, maybe we can get something for an Eno Benjamin, who does look good, there's no denying it, and it may have taken him a couple of years to maximize his NFL potential and at least become a true professional. You know what? He's not going to make the final cut the way we're forecasting. Let's see if we can kind of pump up his reputation and get something in return. Paul, I might I might have a bucket of water for your hot take based on what Justin Pugh said on an upcoming edition of the Dave Pash podcast. Okay, I'm in the dunk tank. Week. Go ahead. He, when asked about the running back position, uh, namely James Conner and Daryl Williams, he too, unsolicited, brought up Eno Benjamin and oh. how he looks amazing out there. So okay. it's not just Cliff. So your hot take speculation Justin would have to be in on it too. What about the practice squad for Keontae Ingram? Sure, possible. I, I think Absolutely. that I think yeah. that's realistic. Yeah. Is you keep the other four and he's on the practice squad. 
Yeah, he was the 19th running back taken in the draft, so I, I'm guessing there's not a huge market for a team to put him on their final 53, Keontae Ingram, unless he really flashes in the preseason games. I mean, the way the practice squads are, everybody's eligible for the practice squad these days. Jonathan Ward, in theory, could be on the practice True. squad, and you could yeah. bring him up. I mean, I, okay. there's a lot of different options there. I, I'm not saying you're you're wrong, but you love those conspiracy well, things. That's, that's why it's a hot take. That's why it's a – you know, and – and look, you can make a case that Eno was in the head coach's doghouse at times yeah. earlier in his career. So if he truly has grown up and matured and mastered the playbook and now all of a sudden he's not a liability, both maybe in terms of mental errors, which we'd heard in the past, and it, and he's bolstered his pass pro because he's got to be able to protect the quarterback, which was you know a deficiency in his game, and he's improved there. Look, we know he's talented with the ball in his hands. And if he's in the best shape of his career, which he says he is, then okay. They, they all say that, Paul. Okay. I, I guess, you know, we're always looking for reasons why these preseason games are going to be intriguing, whether you have three or four. Well, that's one reason why. We all want to see, you know, Benjamin. What does he look like when we get to August? I mean, that's definitely something as someone who, uh, you know, as, as Ron Wolfley said, him and Dave Pash are leaving the rest of us on the radio side behind to go do TV. So for those of us who are doing the radio preseason games, boom, I've got that marked down. Yours truly and Drew Stanton. There you go. What's your big takeaway, Danny? Mine, you're not going to like mine, Darren. Um, mine is more mm. off the field, and I feel like more so than normal, it's been a lot of players in their third and fourth year talking about the importance of them stepping up as leaders this year, and I think that comes a lot of how this team finished last year and that playoff performance in L.A. against the Rams. We heard earlier in the offseason about Buda Baker saying this team got comfortable in the back half of the season. We've heard from players like Isaiah Simmons saying he's at a point where now he feels confident enough to say something to, to J.J. Watt, and he's not afraid to hurt people's feelings if that what he has to say will better the team. We've heard from Zach Allen, who had said in the past, if somebody asked me a question, I would say, oh, go ask this you know, veteran, but now I realize that's me. I feel like even though last season is last season, it has still been on the minds of these players and I would hope that this isn't just talk because a lot of times when we hear that, it's we have to be better as a team. We've got a bunch of leaders, but it feels like a lot of these players entering that third, fourth, fifth year of their career are taking more accountability of I need to step up and I need to be better this year. You know, with that in mind, I, I advance this theory and <laughs> I might take a beat down in this because it's Captain Obvious El Grande here, but. J.J. Watt's staying healthy for all 17 games. Okay, now let me let just give me a minute here. Is that a hot take? No, it's a theory here. It's not just what he provides on the field, but it's J.J. Watt, the leader, and what he does when he's on the sideline. My analogy is you walk into the biker bar and you got a badass assassin on your on your side, you know, and all of a sudden you're you're a little tougher and your shoulders are thrown back a little more, and you walk into the biker bar because you got a tough guy on your side. That feels like a first person account, by the way. <laughs> We no need to share any sort of details. And with J.J. Watt, look, hello, the seven games he played. What was the Cardinals record again last year? 7-0. Thank you, Danny. Two-man game right here. Here we go. Uh, as Darren is just trying to digest this, this Captain Obvious take by yours truly. But if he can, he's such a phenomenal leader. There he was addressing the team at the end of mandatory minicamp. The head coach had something to say. J.J. Watt had something to say to everybody. And you hear the reverence with which players speak of J.J. Watt. Even the head coach jokes. You know, you love the deadpan gallows humor from Cliff Kingsbury. He said, well, even I'm afraid to talk to J.J. Watt. 
that's the kind of command he respects in that locker room. I'm just thinking if he can stay healthy, obviously that's a benefit on the field, but it's all those intangibles off the field. If indeed that's what this team suffered from a year ago, that they're, they're, it's, they're sort of self-reporting and self-scouting this offseason. Here's what happened at the end of last season for the second straight year. And I think J.J. Watt being healthy and continuing to be that leader, that goes a long way. I guess is my theory. I, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I, I think. First of all, I think just mere stability helps. I mean, stability helps in every facet of life. I think in a lot of ways. But when you're talking about a football team and injuries are always going to be part of it, you're always going to have injuries with which you have to deal. But you know, having somebody like that, such a big personality. Um, to be able to be part of everything day to day, you know, and I know he was around a little bit when he was injured uh, to be able to give some of that. But the reality is, is if you're injured, you you do kind of fall off the radar. It doesn't matter how big yep. your personality is. Yep. So um, to have him around, I think, would would make a huge deal. And and when you start talking about the the fact beyond the leadership part, I think they need him on the field as a player. I mean, if they could get him healthy if they can get Zach Allen healthy, who was talking about how he basically was playing with no ligaments in his ankle wow, uh, for most of the season before he had the surgery. I mean, if those two guys can become healthy and then stay healthy, I think it's a pretty big deal. Did Zach Allen declare himself 100% by the time camp rolls around? Is that his expectation? Did he actually say that? Because to go from having basically no ligaments towards the end of last season to being 100%, in August, is that realistic? I'm pretty sure that is what he said. And I think he said the Monday after that playoff game, he was on the operating table. Yeah. It was real quick. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So he's been rehabbing. All right, other takeaways. i tell you what I like, and I, I noticed a lot, and it, both on the field and then the two guys talking about each other. Number two, pushing number four, and vice versa. Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, those two guys, they're, they're already getting questions. Well, who's faster? You know, the meeting, geez, who runs a faster 40 and all that kind of stuff? Well, boom, there's that natural competition. It's not unlike a year ago when you started last season. I still think one of the reasons Chandler Jones had the epic five-sack game is because he had another guy in that defensive room who had 100 career sacks. And Chandler Jones came out and he said, you know what? Okay, it's like so on. Not necessarily me against the Titans O-line and Taylor Luan. It's me against J.J. Watt. We're going to be pushing each other. And then when Watt went down in Week 7, you lost that. You know, that, that, that friendly, natural competition. Because if you are that elite of an athlete, you're usually in the 99th percentile of being competitive. And so if a Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown are looking at each other and pushing each other all season long, I like that. I, I like the potential there. For those guys to reach, you know, maximize their, their ceiling in that way. And then when a DeAndre Hopkins comes back, okay, look at all the weapons you have. It's like uh, Cliff Kingsbury joked with the media. He said, you know what, I need the three weeks away. I, I need to get my mental health because when I come back and D-Hop's healthy, I'm going to be getting yelled at as a play caller from the guys who aren't getting the ball midseason. I don't know a lot about Hollywood Brown, but the little time we've had to interact with him, he it feels like he's got absolutely the right mentality. And, and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was talking about how he was a hard worker, but it feels like he genuinely is like that. And I've often felt that way about Rondell Moore. I, I love Rondell Moore's mentality and, and thought process. And I, I love the fact that he was, quite frankly, probably a little pissy last year that he didn't get to play more yeah. and, and do more things. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I, I do think Rondell Moore 
is primed to, to play very well this season. Something else I like of Hollywood Brown coming in is he's coming from Baltimore where he was the number one receiver. And everything that we have heard from him and seen on the field does not give off that he is coming in with that expectation. He is coming and said, I'm, I'm going to play wherever they need me. I know that, that players say that, but we even heard last year in that wide receivers room that not a lot of egos, no divas, no, you know, and people not complaining and everyone playing their role. And that's what I get from Hollywood as well is, you know, that when you're coming to the Cardinals, D hop is that number one threat. And so I still get that from Hollywood that he's coming here to truly be that team player and not coming in with that mindset of I was number one on my last team. I want all, you know, everything coming to me. I think that's important too. And the fact that he said, you know, especially with D hop out, he likes the fact that he's going to take a lot of that attention from the defenses, which is going to allow Rondale Moore, AJ Green, Antoine Wesley to step up. It was interesting that he said that too. And when somebody said, okay, what else, Besides you, your ability to go deep, what what is one of your strengths? And the first thing he went to was being able to draw defenders so that other people are open. I mean, you're right. People can just say that stuff. But, I mean, that's usually not someplace automatically a guy would go when it's unsolicited again. Um, but, you know, that's that's what they're going to need. They're going to need that early on. And, and, and if he's cool with that kind of uh, – Deployment, I think that'll be big. Now, I think Hollywood Brown has, and I think he had a good relationship with Lamar Jackson. But the fact that he and Kyler are so tight, I don't. I think there's there's going to be an ease and a comfort in Hollywood's mind that I will end up getting mine because Kyler is not going to leave me hanging out to dry. So I'll do whatever it takes yep. because I know ultimately Kyler will set me up. And you saw some of the next gen stats that came out about. How Kyler Murray throws the best deep ball in the NFL, the most accurate deep ball, and Lamar Jackson, those same ratings, was near the bottom. So when it comes to the deep pass, you got to figure Hollywood Brown's looking forward to his new quarterback, who he knows very well, and getting some more of those those chunk throws. And I vividly remember on draft night when he showed up on the stage at the draft party after Michael Bidwell flew him down from Las Vegas, and we're interviewing him, and and he mentioned out of his own volition that he looks forward to being wide receiver too that he looks forward to not ha- automatically having double coverage or bracket coverage with the safety shading over the top to his side. That'll be D-hop starting in week seven. And I think the Cardinals firmly believe, okay, what sort of potential can we still unlock in a Hollywood Brown? Because of that, he's going to have a true number one all-pro receiver opposite of him, something he never had in Baltimore, and a much different offensive system. Baltimore's run first, second, and third, and then the fourth and fifth options are the tight ends. So it's a very different offensive system. So there's that in there as well. And then, you know, you have you have this offense that once you get D-Hop back, and then, okay, uh, what exactly was Zach Ertz and Trey McBride? And then there's Max Williams, and this is where I'm trending on this, because Craig Grealoux noticed during the open portion of the second mandatory minicamp session that Max Williams was actually running some routes and catching some balls. So we have no idea. There's another like storyline that without an answer, we have no clue. And I think what was the Cliff Kingsbury's response was, well, we'll know the answer to Max Williams. I have a much better idea by the end of camp. So yeah. I don't know if that means that he's tracking for pop. I'm guessing that's a possibility. 
But what exactly is the expectation for Max Williams? Because once again, maybe the most telling comment from any player the entire offseason was when Trey McBride said that Cliff Kingsbury wants to disguise the offense a little bit more when talking about why he was the second-round pick as a tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. And he probably said a little too much. But Max Williams is a guy that would obviously check that box if he's healthy. When is he going to be healthy? But we don't know. I think that's the only clear thing we have from the Max Williams injury recovery update is the further we have gotten along through the offseason until we get to the end of training camp, like we have heard, it just makes a lot more sense every day when a lot of us were a little shocked at that draft pick for Trey McBride, it seems to make a little more sense now. No doubt. No doubt. And by the way, um, if you're looking for a story, Darren, on azcardinals.com. Oh, appreciate that. Well, what do you got for me, Paul? We had Trace McSorley in uh, for uh, what was, I forget what it was exactly. We had Trace McSorley in here. He's the one quarterback on this team who has thrown an NFL touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown because he filled in as QB3 in an emergency situation. Lamar Jackson two years ago had COVID, and then RG3 went down, and he came in, and he threw a 77-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. If there's one guy who knows about Hollywood Brown, it is Trace McSorley, the former Ravens backup quarterback, and he verified your point that Hollywood Brown is a hell of a practice player. He's really competitive. He's a grinder. You know, As Cliff Kingsbury said, you would think with a nickname like Hollywood, he'd be more of a diva, but no. I think his, his joke was, what was it? Yeah, you think he'd be more chill, <laughs> yeah, chilling. But, right. but again, that's the funny part about the whole Hollywood thing is because it references his hometown of Hollywood, Florida, right. not Hollywood, yeah. California. Yeah. yeah. So that or his in personality is, necessarily. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so anything else? Any other takeaways from the offseason? Zayvon Collins and the possibility he might not call the plays? or be a traditional Mike linebacker. That's per Zayvon Collins himself sharing that with the media. That definitely was an eye-opener, was it not? And just the way that it wasn't as much as Isaiah Simmons, as much work as Simmons was getting with the safeties, but during the open portion of whether it was minicamp OTAs, we did see some of Collins working with outside linebackers as well. I, I think there's, again, a lot of a lot of things that could be in play. Would I be surprised if – you know, Zayvon Collins wasn't the one calling the defense. I mean, no, I, I don't know if it's that huge of a deal. As long as you got somebody who does it right, uh, does it really matter who's calling it? Uh, not to me. Now, I understand why that position normally would because of how they would look at it. But you, again, it's about putting these guys in the best positions to succeed. And if that means somebody else on the defense is calling out signals or calling out part of the signals, uh, you know. That's fine with me. I'm with you on that. And I got into this with Wolf on the air about whether... Was it a fist fight? <laughs> that's a big deal or not. I'm smart enough not to go there. I don't know much, but I know that much. Um, but Zayvon Collins has to be on the field. Yes. If he's on the field and he's not necessarily calling the plays or making the checks, I don't necessarily care about that. It's year two. We got virtually no meaningful defensive snaps so last year. It's still a process. Otherwise? Yes. He thinks Zayvon Collins should be ready to go, should be ready to call the defense right here, right now, coming off his second off season. And if he's not have him do it anyway? Is that what Wolf is yeah, saying? Well, that was my question. Wolf was, so what do you do? What If you're Vance Joseph, what do you do? Do you do you force him to learn on the job and suffer the consequences? The risk-reward of already starting a season without DeAndre Hopkins and now maybe without a Rodney Hudson, you've got an ultra-tough 
opening set of games between Kansas City, a road trip to the Raiders, a playoff team, and then back home against the Super Bowl champions. And everybody now, we know the stat, teams that start 0-2, less than 10% of those teams make the playoffs. Now, that wasn't a 16-game regular season. I don't know what it means for a 17, but the start of the season is going to be critical, as poor as the end of seasons have been the last couple of years. So do you really take the risk of saying, yeah, we can live with mistakes by our second year, essentially a rookie middle linebacker, Zayvon Collins? No, I, I don't think you can. So it's two different. There's two different, um, you know, sets of expectations here. One, eventually, hopefully, he's gonna be the Mike linebacker, calling the plays, making the checks. But first and foremost, he's got to be on the field. He's got to be a playmaker. He's got to be a difference maker. So if it's Isaiah Simmons calling the defense, Buda Baker calling the defense, Nick Vigil calling the defense, as long as the 16th pick overall last year is on that field and making plays, to me that is far and away the most critical component. I agree, and if we are all under the assumption that at this moment Zayvon Collins is not ready to call the defense, I wonder if he is going to be one of the very few, if maybe the only, starter we will see playing significant time in the three preseason games, and maybe that is the experience to try to get him, and maybe we're going to see a lot of Zayvon Collins in the preseason as the play caller of the defense to help this coaching staff decide whether or not he is ready. See, that is something that I would do. I would say, you know what? I don't care if you're going to be the start in the regular season. I'm going to I'm going to make you make all the play calls when you're in there on defense in the preseason and we're going to see how this works. And that makes sense to me. Yep. Now, if you get to the regular season and nobody's comfortable in that thing, you go in whatever whatever direction. I don't disagree with Wolf with the idea that you want Collins to call it if it if it's possible, but cutting your nose to spite your face seems kind of dumb to me. He feels like Zayvon Collins should be ready. Right now, that he's had ample opportunity just with the off seasons and, yeah, be, but, and but being in that linebacker want, room that he should that know. And I, I hate, should know. I hate to be. I hate to like. Wolf's not here to defend yeah. himself, so that's so, not fair. Uh, but but I'm going to go after him anyways. And it's and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it should. But when I hear that, that makes it sound to me like then it's then if he's not, he's a bust. And I don't know if you should be. I don't know if yeah. you should be going down that road. And he didn't say that. Um, I know. And, I said and, that's what he's yeah, implying. Yeah. And I'm just using Wolf's argument as a lot of people feel that way. I'm just yeah, saying there's there's a huge faction of people who believe that. And I'm sure there's people in the building that believe yeah, he should be ready yeah. by now. Absolutely. So that obviously is a huge question mark getting into training camp. Anything else? Anything else we should be looking at in terms? Of, I mean. Let's just cut right to the chase. When it comes to a Rodney Hudson, a Zayvon Collins, okay, all this, you know, in training camp, and how are they going to use DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera? Is Max Williams going to be available or not? And when are they? Will Kyler Murray be there in training camp? We don't have an answer to that. Do we, Danny? We do not. No, but my gut would say yes. I would, I would imagine that this team is – Kyler Murray's team and the front office staff here are working to get that deal done. Cliff Kingsbury even said in his presser this week that – He's praying the deal gets done before a training camp, not necessarily implying that Kyler Murray would sit out. I think just to have that storyline done and to know that is completed. Um, I would imagine that the deal would get done before training camp. That's just my gut. That's not based on any secret knowledge that I have, but that's just my gut. That's That's been my thought for a long time. I mean, you know, we don't – first of all, we don't know what's going to happen – for sure if the contract isn't done by training camp. Although I'm assuming Cliff Kingsbury is saying, I'm praying that this deal gets done before training camp just to have all the drama out of the way. 
um, and not necessarily because Kyler has told him, look, if I don't have this done, you're not going to see me. Uh, we haven't had a chance to ask Kyler. He hasn't. He talked one time this offseason. It was in or took questions one time this offseason, and that was in March when he was doing some community stuff. Uh, he did not do any any uh, any press conferences through the team, and so we haven't had a chance to talk to him about it. But I do. Would I be shocked? Some of these there's there's certain rules in there like he he can only he can only miss like. It's like I forget what it was, four days or eight days or something of, of training camp before he could potentially lose an accrued season or so, there's some there's some weird rule in there. On, I think on his rookie contract or whatever um, that I don't know if he can necessarily hold out a certain uh, a huge amount of time, but and I'd have to again look up the details. I do, but I again I do think they're going to get something done. I think they're going to get something done. If not right at, you know, before training camp, then right after it starts or whatever, there's going to be an urgency. I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon because, you know, this is the only time for Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime to get their vacations in. So I don't know if there's going to be like constant communication over like the next month. Well, maybe no. not month, but three weeks, maybe. Sure. And no. they have to take your vacation into consideration, Darren. Who would be writing that story? Mm. <laughs> That's right. Who's going to give the multimedia coverage if Darren Urban's on vacation? So obviously that could hold up a potential franchise record contract. I know I know. everybody's really surprised to hear that my computer pretty much goes with me wherever I am. And you I don't say. But, do you work. know, the fact Kyler did not do an official press conference throughout the entire offseason, the only NFL quarterback not to do that, it does create a vacuum of information. So we've only been able to go on other reports from third parties, from the Michael Irvins on NFL Network saying, I sat next to Kyler during a Mavericks playoff game, and he said he ain't showing up without a contract unless he gets paid, to even Mike Garofolo. What was the sequence? So the first week OTAs, Kyler missed. Second week, he was in attendance. That was the big news. Third week, he missed, and then he was in attendance for mandatory minicamp, right? If we're scoring at home, that's yes. how it played out, correct? Yes. So when he showed up for the second week OTAs, his first appearance, I still go back to what Mike Garofolo reported on NFL Network. Now, he did not tweet this out, but he said it on air as part of their NFL Now coverage. And he said, Kyler showed up in a sign of good faith because they are not close to a deal. Now, this is three weeks ago. The hope is something will get done over the summer. And so that seems to indicate there is definitely room for progress. That progress needs to be made, Danny. I, I'm sure that it, it's very likely that they were not close three weeks ago. But things happen very quickly. And things can change on a dime in this industry. And the timing is now right. Not only from what we have heard from Steve Kime since January, February, but from what we've seen around the league of these quarterbacks getting these new deals, it's in the late summer. Because when the season ends, you are analyzing everything. You've got combine, senior bowl, draft, rookie minicamp, so much going on. Around the league, this is the time when these quarterbacks get new deals, and that's what we've heard from general manager Steve Kime. So now the timing is right. So I think it's likely three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when that was you know, shared in their content that it's quite possible they were not close on a deal yet, but things can change rather quickly. I, I would also say that, and, and a quarterback uh, contract is, is more complicated. There's more things you have to figure out in terms of guarantees and, and whatever roster bonuses or, you know, those things of those nature, uh, maybe even off money put into off season work. So you make sure that he's around. I don't know, but I will say this ultimately it's about 
the dollars and just the total dollars and what you're paying me and what you're guaranteeing me. And that's, that's usually not super complicated. That's what that is, is, is one side wants this. The other side wants this. That's not uh, you're, you the, the, the problem or the weight comes with neither side wanting to budge or whatever. It's not that it's complicated nuance that you have to get done. It's just one side has to give or both sides have to give. And that's what's going to take long. So if we go for a long time, it's because one side wants to pay X and one side wants to get Y. I have a question for you, Darren. Um, I'm listening. In terms of, you know, cap space and all of that. Mm -hmm. If nothing happens with Rodney Hudson in the sense of he is not on this team, he was the only offensive lineman under contract next, you know, next year. Right. The fact that if he's not playing, this team will have five offensive linemen contracts to give out. Is that going to somehow play a role in Kyler Murray, how much money he gets or how it's distributed? No, I don't think. I mean, ultimately, I think they will. And I think I've mentioned this before, like the the extension like Patrick Mahomes got, for instance, or Josh Allen, the cap numbers for the first couple of years have been pretty low. They balloon up in the, like the third year. So my guess is if you did an extension, you'd redo this year. Uh, and the cap number, I, I forget what his cap number is this year. It might even go down a little bit. You definitely get down next year, which is somewhere in the range of $24, $25 million right now because that's what his salary is. You'd probably lower that, and then it would balloon up in 25, would that be? No. Yes. 22, 23, 24. 24, okay. Um, so ultimately, it, it you're, you're already trying to structure this so you have some more room the next couple of years anyways. See, and that's where I was going, the structure. That might be holding it up. Now – do you have the potential that Deshaun Watson deal fully guaranteed being sort of a hand grenade in the middle of this whole thing? Could that be a complicating sure. force? Sure, because now all of a sudden, Team Kyler is citing that as a precedent. So that, that could be a complication. But beyond that, to Darren's point, there's the what and there's the how. There's what, how much you're going to, and then there's how are you going to structure it, right? And, and think about it. If you're still in the market for a corner, if you're still potentially in the market for an edge rusher, if you're still potentially in the market for a starting center, those are all things you have to factor into this year's cap. Hence, how does that impact Kyler's deal? So maybe you truly are waiting for the Kyler contract to be the last piece of the puzzle because you still do have other questions that have to be answered and players to be signed. My argument would be right now, they've got enough cap space to sign what they're going to end up signing for those spots. Okay. Especially with the Jordan Phillips $10 million post-June yes. 1st. Yeah, they've got enough room to maneuver. And again, I would think that any deal that you would do with Kyler, whether you did it first or last, is probably going to lower his cap number this year. So yep. you're only going to buy yep. a little bit of room. You're not going to, it's never going to be structured in such a way. I mean, the cap is the cap. So it doesn't matter if you go first or last. His, his hit's going to be what it's going to be, and, and you've got to be careful about that. But You also have some core pieces that, hey, an astute yep. move to extend them now, a DJ Humphreys, a Jalen Thompson, a Byron Murphy Jr. There's some core pieces that could be in line for a contract extension sooner than later if you're trying to buy low, sell high. These are guys with potential who could really break out this year, especially a Jalen Thompson and a Byron Murphy Jr. I mean, again, those are these are all things that they need to think about. And I, I some of this also has to do, again, part of the issue – you know, you you start talking about we can talk about cap numbers all day, but that's that's accounting. 
Um, when you're talking about giving out new contracts, a new uh, a contract extension to Kyler with a giant bonus, giant bonuses potentially to those other guys you mentioned, that's all real money. And, uh, yeah. and that's all now real money that's going to be coming out in an economy that, you know, sure. even, even owners have stocks and stuff. So. And that, that money has to be put in escrow. Real money yeah. has to be put in escrow, essentially cash. So, yes, you're right. And, and, and look at yeah the value of everyone's portfolio, 401k or otherwise, has decreased. We're not talking about that anymore. Exponentially. I'm just sticking my head in the sand. Danny, you don't own any crypto, do you? You don't own cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, nothing, Dogecoin. I do not. You do not. Okay, just want to make sure. Make sure you can sleep at night. Any BTS Bitcoin? (laughs) Behind the scenes? Is that what the B stands for? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. I didn't. Potentially. potentially. How many? How many people are in that band, Paul? That you're now going to have to follow solo careers. How many are there? How many? uh, How many? How (laughs) many? You're the only one who listens. How many members of BTS are there actually? Are they? I mean, can can you can you actually form like a seven on seven? Can they? Can are there seven dudes? Could there be a seven on seven? uh, You know, flag summer football team. Oh, uh, the internet tells me seven. Seven. There you go. A passing league team. There you go. BTS. Maybe that's what they're doing. Forget music, they're going to go football. Uh, the headline I saw was on hiatus, Paul, not broken up. <laughs> You're going to be okay, uh, Paul. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, Danny, what you need to do is go over when they finally – are they going to open up the locker room? Here's my last question, and my work here is done. Is the locker room going to be open for the first time in two, three years when training camp starts? Fingers crossed. You don't know, Darren? Come on, you know, share it. I do not know. You don't know. I would, I would anticipate it being open, but – I don't know. Because, Danny, that would be a funny story, is the headline of BTS is breaking up, and you go around the locker room, who's got BTS, you know, in their, right, in, in their playlist, right? That's some right? good content. That'd be good. That would be good. I'll keep that in mind. I mean, how funny the locker would, room open up. How would it be funny up. would it be if a J.J. Watt had BTS on his playlist, right? That would be good. I don't know if it would surprise me if any of the players did. You don't know if it would surprise you if they did or if yeah, they did Yeah, if they did. Like, I don't think is I'd be surprised either way. Okay. I don't think I'd be surprised either way. It's a mature thing to just not be surprised at any of that stuff. People are people have wide variety of, yeah, of right. interests. Like I would not have pegged That's Paul right. as a BTS fan, and look how wrong wow. I was. Wow, my middle my middle name is eclectic. So there you go. On this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.